0: Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we've got Chris Jefferson from Richmond VA. He's going to talk about how he's flipped hundreds of homes, wholesales many more, and how to get your first deal and not oversimplify the process. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, founder of the OfferFast Homes app, the only MLS for off-market wholesale properties, and I help entrepreneurs create businesses that support their family, lifestyle, and goals through mentorship. I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. If you want to join me on that journey, Drop me a message on Instagram at Steve.Trang. If you're excited for today's show, please give me a wave, give me a thumbs up. And as a friendly reminder, I don't charge a dime for this show. I don't make any money doing this. So here's all I ask. This would cost for you to listen to the show. If you get value today, please tell a friend. You can share this episode right now, tag it friend below, or tell everybody about takeaway from the show later on. That way we can all grow together. And this is a live show, so please ask your questions for Chris to answer. Are you ready? I'm ready, man. All right, thanks for coming out here, dude. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. Thank you for uh, having my me. My pleasure, my pleasure. So, first question is, what got you into real estate?
1: What got me into real estate? So, uh, I got arrested in my senior high school as an athlete. Uh, you know, I, I thought you got that arrested. I got arrested, right? So, senior, senior high, high, school. high school. Okay. At school, everybody's coming the senior parking lot. Everybody's coming out of school. So I'm that guy, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I thought that I was going to go play ball in, high, in college. I had dreams and aspirations of doing Mm -hmm. that. Uh, But thankfully, what ended up happening to me is I had a business teacher, okay? I got involved with DECA pretty early on in high school. Awesome. Uh, I did really well with it, had a lot of success, and she really inspired me and moved me to pursue business uh, with my life You know, as I moved forward. Uh, So I graduated high school and uh, really kind of just got locked in on business. I saw that real estate was really an opportunity. I was that kid when I was growing up that was reading Fortune Magazine and Forbes. This is before the tech bubble, right? Before that blew up. Uh, and I would look at those lists and see that everybody was successful in real estate, man. So I just wanted an opportunity to, to do something dynamic with my life. And so straight out of high school? Straight out of high school.
0: And what year was that? That was 2004. 2004? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you hit the ground running.
1: Hit the ground running. I didn't make any money for a long time. No? But, uh, definitely hit the ground running. Got into real estate. I just learned. So I started out being a bird dog. You know, uh, I called it trading addresses with people uh, for a couple hundred bucks, Mm -hmm. usually around $250. Uh, I was leaving uh, church one day and I saw a bandit sign. So I didn't know what that was at the time, but I see a We Buy Houses sign right on a telephone pole. And I see it and something just tells me to call the phone number. So pick up my phone, I call the phone number, guy picks up the phone and I say, hey, I just wanna learn how to invest in real estate. I'm willing to work completely for free if you're willing to teach me. So we start talking a little bit and he finds out where I went to high school at, mm-hmm. tell him my name and he's like, wait, he's like, you played, played ball with my son, right? So we start talking about it and I'm like, yeah, 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 no I know him. Yeah. And so he says, hey, meet me at one of my properties tomorrow and we'll talk and I'll show you some stuff. So he introduced me to the concept of wholesaling, okay. right? And I started to pursue that, you know, kind of after I found that, went through a lot of different things in that, in that interim, went to college for a little bit, that didn't really work out. Right? right, I just kept finding myself back at real estate.
0: Well, it's pretty cool though that you're you're educated or introduced to wholesaling at that time because not a lot of people, even today, people are still like, "What is wholesaling?" What is
1: wholesaling? Right. right. Yeah,
0: it's been around for a very long time. Absolutely. Right. And so that's pretty cool. And I think the other thing too is that you were intentional, right? You had made a decision you were getting into real estate, right? Because if you didn't make that decision, you're going to get into real estate. That we buy houses. Sign is just one other it's thing. It's just that a sign. It's just
1: a sign on the side of the road. That you right. don't know what to do with, right?
0: But you had you had clarity of what you wanted to accomplish and you went after it. Absolutely. 100%. All right, cool. So, when did you pop your first deal?
1: So, that's a great question, man. So, uh, my first wholesale deal did around 2006. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I had a guy that I was bird-dogging a lot for and I was trying to get into that wholesale space. So, I give this guy this deal and he, he says to me, he says, uh, You know, I told him I wanted to make five grand right at that time five grand and today five grand is a lot of money to me right mm-hmm. so i tell him i want to make five grand he's like sure and i'm like wow i'm like this is really how this thing actually works <laughs> you know yeah. so i popped the cherry man in 06 and mm-hmm. kind of went through that for a couple of years and then great depression happens all right things got a little bit different right when that happened
0: so you were learning predominantly from a mentor at that time yeah so i had a mentor uh, I, I, and I like a mentor
1: because it was more More than real estate, he was was really a business life mentor Mm -hmm. uh, to me. He showed me kind of what a business person looks like, uh, how to manage different people, how to work through and problem solve, really being a business owner is just dealing with problems every day and figuring out how you can solve those problems. And, you know, he really just gave me an opportunity to kind of understand that. And, you know, we're still really good friends to this day. Uh, He's since retired and hung up his his hat from from investing in real estate, but he absolutely supports my business and has been a phenomenal
0: help. Well, I think it's really crucial, right? Because like right, even right now, there's a lot of information. There's no shortage sure. of knowledge out there, right? Yeah, we all put out you know massive amounts of content, um, but it's still really hard to figure out exactly how to get started. Where you know at which point and which specific steps. I know you're going to talk about it a little bit. Sure. But you you know, you cling down to somebody and you learn from them. And that's something that I've told people, like, if you got money, get a mentor. If you don't got money,
1: 110%, work for somebody, percent, right?
0: like trying to do this on your own with no money. I, it's just, I can't even imagine it's, it's not
1: it's, it's difficult to do, right? Yeah, I encourage everybody to find somebody in your market that you can trade value with. Yeah, right. Because, you know, me being a leader now in my market, what is valuable to me is somebody that is intentional about uh, trying to help me inside of my business, mm-hmm. right. So when somebody comes and says, Hey, Like Steve, can I just cold call for you? Yeah. You give me a list. I don't really know how to cold call, but if you're willing to show me, I'll show up every day and make phone calls. Right. That's what it was for me with this guy. I wish I had that. Yeah. I wish I had people. I need more people. I need more people like that, man. Yeah. So what I did with this guy is I just got really intentional about helping him fix problems. Mm -hmm. If he had a contractor on a job site that he needed to have a conversation with, I was willing to go out, talk to that contractor, try to figure out how we could fix that issue. Somebody hadn't paid rent. I'm going out to the property. I'm trying to talk to them about hey, how can we fix this issue? And again, this is during the recession, right? So it wasn't like it is today. Hey, it's the fifth. We're gonna send you a pay or quit, right? It's right. like, like no, hey, look, we gotta try to work out. We wanna try to keep you in the property. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of those things and it was a value exchange. I never made a dollar, never asked them for anything in that capacity outside of wholesale
0: deals to yeah. them. Awesome. So another detail, Yeah. started in 04, but your first deal was in 06. Exactly. I hear a lot of people quitting after four months, like this is fake. I think, you know, you see in all these different Facebook groups like this is, you know, I was sold something or I was pitched something. But you took two years to get your first deal.
1: Yeah. And and the funny part about that, right, is I want to make sure I give him credit. I give him a lot of of respect for the help that he gave me inside of that deal. Mm -hmm. My true, like my first deal on my own took me all the way until 2010. Right? So wow. w- once I got intentional about trying to build my own business mm-hmm. without the need for him to directly help me in a kind of every single capacity, it took me two years. So from, again, I'm, I'm on a long stretch. I graduated in 04, right? So now we're talking 2008, Open my first LLC. I'm just ready to go make things happen. Uh, it wasn't until 2010 that I started really getting my own personal traction in my own personal business, you know? So what
0: were you doing in those two years with no money coming in?
1: So uh, I was working at a $15 an hour job. I had a motorcycle man when I was out of high school. I bought a motorcycle, sold my motorcycle, had an infinity, sold the infinity, moved back home with my mom. You know, I'm living at my mom's house trying to kind of just figure life out. And uh, you know, it helped me, it was my rock bottom, Mm -hmm. right? One thing that I talk to people about a lot is I got really comfortable and okay inside of my rock bottom. So when I would talk with people, running into old friends, and they'd say to me, "You know, hey man, I heard that you're supposed to be doing real estate. What's going on?" Like for me, I was in a space where, like, I was okay being that guy that wasn't where he's was supposed to be yet, mm-hmm. because I internally knew, I, I'm, I'm headed to a certain space. I know exactly where I'm trying to go. Yeah, these are the things that I'm, I'm trying to
0: actively make happen. I'm successful, know? just the results don't show it yet. Exactly. Right. Oh, yeah. But mentally,
1: internally, in my mind. Right. Like I'm going for it. Like I know that I'm going to make these things happen.
0: Yeah. So one of our uh, a coach that I still work with, and he says like I'm a millionaire. My yeah. bank account might not show it. Right. 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 But I'm a millionaire. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Right. You and gotta and you gotta mindset. have that mentality. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that first deal. Yeah. So my, my first deal,
1: first wholesale deal was a very easy deal. I still remember the street, Mary Mansour in Richmond, Virginia. I find this deal. I take it to him. And I sold the same deal to him, right? Mm-hmm. So I take the deal to him, and uh, I had a tenant that was ready, Section Eight, ready to rent that property, like legit, just ready to go, and purchased the property. I got five thousand dollars. I didn't even get paid on the HUD. I didn't even understand what that even was at the time. He wrote me a, a personal check, yeah. And so that was kind of my first taste of what that really looked like. And then I found bigger pockets. So what changed my life was I found bigger pockets.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So when I found bigger pockets, I was always into like online web forums, things of that nature. When I found Bigger Pockets, man, it just it just did something for me. Yeah. It was a space that I could go to. I could see people asking questions, uh, getting specific help, getting the information that they needed. So really like what Bigger Pockets really did for me is by the time I started encountering things in my own business, I felt like I kinda had already experienced it
0: through other people's experiences right. that I had read about on Bigger Pockets. It gave you some confidence. Absolutely. Absolutely. So your first deal closes. Yeah. And after that, it gets easy. No, it doesn't. Right. So we're in the recession. So I
1: think it's important for people to understand. So when a market starts to uh, drop in the capacity that it did, Mm -hmm. right, the opportunity to wholesale becomes pretty non-existent. So I was just in a weird space of I felt like I'd found this thing that was going to change my life, that was going to be completely dynamic, and then boom, it's gone. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm stressed about that. I'm trying to figure out how do I make this work? What are the things that I'm supposed to do? And that's how I found rehabbing. Right. So then I got into rehabbing houses. So around 2010, I did my first rehab. Uh, lost money on that.
0: Wait, you just did your first wholesale deal. And so I moved really quickly into doing
1: <laughs> doing rehabs. Okay. Um, and one thing I want to say about that is a lot of people's idea is that uh, they want to get to rehabbing as quickly as possible. And I was that person. It's a different market now than it was then. Mm-hmm. One of the most important things to understand right now is that people like me, right? We flip houses for active income. So you need to make active income today. So you wanna go flip houses ASAP, mm-hmm. right? You can create that with wholesaling. Yeah. With no debt, you don't have to worry about hard money lenders. You don't have to worry about contractors. You're not running the lows every single day. You can create that active income opportunity really right inside of wholesaling itself.
0: Right. Well, it's it's fascinating because I think a lot of people that end up in wholesaling, a lot of them start as flippers, right? And they're like, wait a minute, what's this wholesaler doing? How much am I paying? It's crazy, man. <laughs> it's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, ho- wholesaling is,
1: is by far to me, the best way to do real estate. Period. Yeah. It, it's the foundation that you can create inside of your business and it gives you the vertical to really move into literally every single other piece of the business. Yeah. And once you control a deal as a direct to seller marketer, you control whether that becomes a subject to, you control whether that becomes a rental, you control whether that's an owner finance, you control whether it's a rehab, you've got kind of full control of that deal. Mm-hmm. When you're a rehabber, and especially right now, you're rehabbing for active income, you're literally waiting for somebody to bring you a deal. So you're just kind of like sitting in the wings. Yeah. It's like, I hope Steve brings me a deal today. Right. You're calling every wholesaler in town, you're trying to be the first on their list you, you got to take full control of your business. You've got to kind of control these things. Wholesaling has given me the ability to be able to do that.
0: And wholesalers are controlling how much you can make as a flipper.
1: Yeah, especially right now, right? So like margin has become like a big topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. So you've got a lot of rehabbers. They're good with like 10, 15, 20,000 on a deal. Now they're planning to make twenty, twenty-five. Right. But once you really get to the bottom of that closing costs, paying you know uh, attorney fees, things of mm-hmm. that nature, realtor fees, that twenty thousand, twenty five thousand, everything doesn't go right on a rehab. Nope, so never
0: now, does.
1: so now that number's changed to, to something completely different. You yeah. know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I think I mean eighteen k. I know it's like pretty common in our market as a target. Yeah, it's like seven eight percent of the, of the property value, right? Like that's what they're and it's so skinny. And so,
1: what are guys getting wholesale? What's that? So, what are guys making wholesale? They're making oh, good guys money. are
0: making fifteen to twenty.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And the, the beautiful part about wholesaling that I realized was wait, I'm looking at it as I'm only making five or ten thousand a pop. Mm-hmm. That's the wrong way to really look at that. The way to look at it is if I do 10 deals a month and make $10,000 a deal, now I've made $100,000 in a month, right. right? So to be able to do that in this market, rehabbing, so
0: it's, it's, it's difficult. It's hard to scale. Hard to scale. Hard to scale. All right, so you, 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 you did your first deal wholesale. It's like, all right, I'm gonna flip. Yeah. And you lost money on that one. Lost money.
1: So I just didn't manage contractors right, man. Um, I didn't know what I was doing exactly. You know, I walked into that situation trying to figure it out, trying to do things the right way. There's no, you know, there's no true like guidebook to real estate. Every deal is different. How you manage different situations is gonna change as you develop your business. So uh, I kind of goofed on the management uh, of the contractor. And so I finished that deal. I lose the 15 grand. Uh, Thinking about going back to college. You
0: lost 15 on the flip. Lost 15 on the flip. After paying the hard money lender. This is my money that I saved up. Okay, so it was your loss. It wasn't like you owed anybody. You lost $15,000. Lost lost
1: it myself, right? So I'm still with my mom, paying a whole bunch of money in child support at the time. Uh, This is before I got custody of my daughter. And I'm just kind of dealing inside of that process. So again, I'm already back at, I'm back inside of my rock bottom, Mm -hmm. right? But it's okay because again, like I said, I've I've gotten comfortable in that, right? And so I accepted, that's where I was at. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna give this another shot. Because I didn't want to be regular. I didn't want to be just a regular guy that worked a regular job, making 15 bucks an hour. I would never get, I, I remember those times as a kid,
2: mm-hmm.
1: looking at Forbes, looking at Fortune, being in the airport with my family on vacation and seeing people in suits with briefcases. Like I wanted to know what that really felt like.
0: Right, you know? well, and I, I kind of, the analogy I like to use, I've seen other people use it, is yeah. like the matrix. Right, like, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Like, once yeah. you know it's not for you, like how do you go back into it?
1: You can't, man, and so I, I figured that out, and uh, I said, you know what, I'm going to try it again. So I went back to the same hard money lender, right? Uh, I was paying a lot of money at the time for hard money. It's different than it is now. So I go back to this lender. I buy another deal. I pop fifty five thousand on that deal. Rehab. Nice. It was good. So I take that fifty five, and I reinvest it back into my business. So a lot of people don't know this, and I do talk about it, but I didn't pay myself for two years. So. I kept working the $15 an hour job. I kept living at home with my mom. I still didn't have a nice car. I got a car that my mom gave me. And uh, everything that I made, I'm talking literally every penny, for two years I dumped it back into my business.
0: So how much did you dump into your business? In those so
1: when I quit my job, uh, I quit my job in 2012. I had over 300,000 in the bank and I owned a, a very good amount of property by that point. That's awesome. And you were
0: still working that $15 an hour job. Man,
1: I was still working at (laughs) T-Mobile, still coming in punching the clock every day. And the funny thing with that, man, is that, uh, so I went on vacation uh, to Miami, Uh right? And it's the first time I remember going somewhere on vacation as an adult where I could actually afford to do something, right? (laughs) Like I remember I rented a jet ski. It was like 150 bucks an hour. And like, I could never do something like that before as an adult, you know? Right, right. Um, And so I'm sitting on the beach, right? And I'm like, man, I gotta go back to work on Monday, you know? So I show up to work on Monday. Uh, my supervisor kind of just like said something that triggered me a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I got frustrated with the guy and I just walked out and never went back, yeah. you know? And then, I, cause it hit me, I had a fear of leaving my job. I, truthfully, I should have left a lot sooner.
0: Right.
1: I, but I had a fear of leaving my job. And uh, a, a friend of mine, she said something to me that I never forget and I recommend it to a lot of people. So something she said to me, she said, hey, you're working 40 hours a week, all right? And you make like $25,000 a year, okay? She said, are you saying with everything you're doing right now, flipping houses, you're doing these different things, that you can't leave your job and make $25,000 back with 40 hours of your time back Mm -hmm. a week? Yeah. And so like her just saying it that way, like, hey, if I give you 40 hours Mm -hmm. a week, you're saying in 12 months you can't make 25 grand? Right. And I'm like, well, I've already made 25 grand flipping a house.
0: Yeah. It's really obvious. Yeah. When someone else says it. Yeah. But I you agree. don't necessarily no, no, no. <laughs> see through it. I mean, there's lots of things, right? That like, yeah. someone said to me, I was like, oh, damn it. <laughs> no, nah, it's funny you say that, right? So
1: like, uh, so like one thing for me and I, and I encourage people to understand this. And I, it's something I had to figure out myself. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we just need somebody to tell us things we already know. Right. It's, it's that moment of clarity. Like, I know that I was working 40 hours a week and I was only making $25,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Like I knew that, but I had this weird attachment that, or fear of leaving my job. Well, I've got a kid, I've got, I need insurance. What am I gonna do about this? What am I gonna do about that? And it was just that conversation that made me realize, man, I'm never going back to T-Mobile, man, Yeah. you know? So I left, I got heavily into flipping houses. Up to that point, we were already doing about 20, 30 flips a year. 2013, I started doing new construction. Uh, So we started building houses. Reason I started doing that is that the market has started to get more competitive, right? Uh, You know, it wasn't like before where you could just call your realtor and your realtor's got five houses for you to buy, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So it got to a point where I needed to be able to create my own own inventory. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then I found that infill lots was a way to be able to do that. So I wasn't competing with everybody
0: to try to buy a house. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so you added development. Correct. You didn't pivot.
1: Correct, right. So I continued to do rehabs, Mm -hmm. and then I started to do uh, development, new construction. Um, I like new construction. New construction is a lot easier than doing rehabs because you're just really kind of putting something together based on a a preset plan. Mm -hmm. Um, So we did that for a number of years, and then it got to the point in 2015 where we had so many projects. My business has gotten huge. I'm doing a ton of different projects. I'm making a whole bunch of money, right? And uh, I start running into cash flow issues, right? And I remember because I called my accountant. All right,
0: and I'm so s- It's a hard thing for people to understand. Sure, you're making a lot of money. I
1: was making a couple million dollars a year. Right,
0: but you had no money. Exactly. <laughs> all right, so here's what
1: happens. So people understand this. This is it's the a rat- really strange concept. It is, man. It's the. It was hard for me to understand at the time. This is the rat race of being a rehabber and, and being in the development world, right? So I'm making all this money, and I remember I'm talking to my. I didn't feel it though. Mm -hmm. And I talked to my accountant and she's like, yeah, you did 1.7, like that's great. And I'm like, well, where's the 1.7 at, Mm -hmm. you know? And she's like, oh, well look, you you own 10 pieces of land over here. You've bought these 15 houses over here because I've been stacking up land. I've been stacking up inventory to build a pipeline of uh, single family development, right? Mm -hmm. So my mentality was at the time, all right, everything I make, I wanna put it back on the street. That's the only way that I'm gonna be able to make money. Mm -hmm. right?" And so I ignored the kind of liquidity inside of that. So it got to the point where my burn rate a month is over $200,000. It was crazy, right? (laughs) It's nuts. So I had over 20 active projects. Um, I've got project manager on staff, superintendent, and I'm waking up every day ready to go crazy, Mm -hmm. right? You're stressed. Stressed, man. Highly stressed. Not looking forward to going to the office. And I'm frustrated because I feel that, hey, I've been in this a long time. Why is everything not? falling exactly where I wanted to fall.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was I was measuring that based on the liquidity, right? And so, we're sitting in the office, it's March, I've got enough money to run through August, you know? And I'm talking to my right-hand guy, my, my head of operations, and I'm talking to him, and I'm like, Mark, man, I'm like, what are we gonna do, right? I'm like, I got enough money to make it to August, man. And he says, hey, um, he goes, why don't we just wholesale some of these? So here's the funny thing about all of this, I never stopped creating my own direct to seller marketing. Mm-hmm. The problem is that I only cherry picked the deals that I wanted to buy. Right. So we'd have all these leads. I only bought in a couple specific neighborhoods. So if it was outside of that neighborhood, we would toss the lead. So like we would just literally throw money. <laughs> 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 literally, it sounds so crazy. We would throw money out of the window. That's how like locked in I was with rehabbing and development, right? Mm-hmm. And so, we started realizing like we're sitting on leads. We've got leads coming in weekly and we're buying like one or two of these a month or two or three of these a month, but we've got maybe 10 leads coming in. Mm-hmm. So we re-shifted our focus. I had a large amount of inventory, like I said, at the time. So what I did is I started selling off inventory and this is how I found wholesaling. all mm-hmm. right? And I don't even think it was called wholetailing at that time. Uh, it's I, like a recent, recent term. Yeah, we just called it liquidation, yeah. right. Yeah. And so you're like, all right, I need to liquidate some of these projects. Let me go ahead and get some of these going. And what I started finding was the market had rode up so high, I had bought some of these so early. I was making money without, I mean, I'm making money on lots. I remember I had two lots that I bought side by side. I paid 50000 for each one, right? And I'm selling them for 95000 a piece. It was the same dirt. And so once you start realizing like things like that, mm-hmm. your mindset shift occurs. And I'm like, oh, so what I've done is I've gotten caught up in being the man, right? I've gotten caught up in doing the best houses in the neighborhood, doing the HGTV before and after pictures. What I've gotten away from is the rate of return, is the goal of your business. Like ROI is what it's really actually about, right? Right. So once I refocused on that, we started building this wholesale business. And uh, to fast forward a little bit, I hired some consultants in 2017. Harvard educated guy, uh, he comes in first meeting, he looks at all my businesses, uh, goes through my financials, and we're looking at my tax returns, all right? And uh, he goes, hey, he's like, what is this business right here, do? And I'm like, look, I don't need any help with that. That's my wholesale business. That's kind of just something I'm doing on the side. Like, I need help with this development stuff, right? And he says, no, uh, no, no, no. Or his wife says, no, and She's like, is that the net profit? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, can we please talk about this? I need mm-hmm. help,
0: right? The problem child, not the good kid.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And she goes, wait, if you're making that kind of money wholesaling, why are you doing some of this stuff? And I'm like, that's a really good question. Yeah. All right. So then that shifted that gear into going, kind of all in as we are now mm-hmm. in that wholesaling business.
0: Yeah. And that's a question that comes up a lot. guy to guy in our office. You know, he was like, I want to start doing some more traditional business this year. Right. And I was like, What?
1: Yeah. It just it, it doesn't <laughs> make sense.
0: <laughs> like I can like, sound like as your as your broker, right? Like right. I love hearing this as your broker. Right. <laughs> more money, right? Right. Yeah. But as your friend, like. What are you talking about? You told me you did 60K on each of those two flips you did. Right. Why,
1: would you? why, why are you trying to do something different? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah it's, double it's, down on
0: what's working. And that's
1: really what it comes down to is I realized and understood uh, after that conversation that day, I'm really good at sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. Wholesaling is literally just a sales and marketing business. So I realized, let me let me dial all the way in. Let me go as firm as possible on just honing my skills at sales and marketing. And what that's been able to do has been transformative. I don't wake up stressed anymore. Yeah. I'm not running the lows at six o'clock in the morning to pay for an order. Uh, I don't have a bunch of superintendents and, and project managers anymore on payroll. Yeah. Now we've built out a wholesale operation. I still do some fix and flip, but those are very, every budget I used to have fix and flip was over $125,000. Now I don't have one over 25,000. Yeah, So we're doing, for us- You're really cherry picking. We're really cherry picking very small rehabs to do. Yeah. I do enjoy the process of rehabs. Some deals just work out where you have to rehab them. Mm-hmm. A lot of those rehabs, they start out as, this, the intention starts out as a hotel. And then we just get to a space where it's like, all right, well to really maximize the value here, let's do some form of rehab to kind of pick the property right. up. Yeah.
0: So I want to go back to this topic though, just a yeah, little bit more, because please. it's something that you know, I've heard other people preach. Um, just staying in one lane, right? And, yeah. You know, we got uh, Pace, who was a generous host driving your Absolutely. And he's yeah. talking about sub two, sub two, sub two. Right. Right. And right now there's this big thing about multifamily. Oh, yeah. All right. And so there's no shortage of things to get excited about. Right. So how do you stay focused? That's the million
1: dollar question, man. Yeah. So, so here's my personal opinion. Pace and I have been talking about this since I've been in Arizona, actually. Yeah. So everybody's got a different perspective. Here's mine. I believe in just building up one vertical extremely aggressively Mm -hmm. like so make a focus to get really good at wholesaling build an operation that can really work for itself and you can outsource a lot of the work inside that wholesale business Mm -hmm. and then start looking at other verticals to get into right i think a lot of the issue is is that i think as people naturally we have this weird fear of time right and what do you mean all right so for example i remember being in my early 20s I'm making a whole bunch of money, right? And I feel like I'm not making it fast enough, Mm. all right? A A little impatient. I'm impatient, all right? I'm making really good money, I'm a millionaire, all right? But my thought process is I need more because I see everybody else doing all these things. This guy's got a Lamborghini, this guy's doing this, this guy's developing this apartment complex. And my mind was I needed to be doing those exact same things. So what happened is I lost sight exactly where I was personally at, mm-hmm. and I started focusing on what everybody else was doing, thinking that's where I needed to be. All right. And so what I realized, I was 25 at the time, and time is like a very interesting thing to me, All right. because what I had to understand, is somebody told me this, all right, so if I'm 25, I've got, God willing, I've got a good 40 years of life left, at least, hopefully, Minimal. Right? all right? So if I've been able to do all this in 25 years, right? I've only been in real estate five, what like and i've got 40 to go and i'm stressed and upset that i'm not where i want to be at. Mm-hmm. It's cuz i was comparing this the places i wanted to be to everybody else. And this is with social media, these facebook groups, it's even harder. It's tough, man. And so my encouragement to anybody watching this, my 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 personal process is you got to find out what your ideal life is, all right? And i talk about this a lot, but your ideal life is important. So it's not i i can't look at you and say you know, what does Steve have that I want? You got mm-hmm. a nice Tesla, right? Thank you. All right, So and I, I want a Tesla, right? But I'm not comparing <laughs> you having a Tesla to me. Right. I just know what my ideal life is. So uh, how do I want to take care of my family? All right, what type of car do I want to drive? Where do I want to be able to go on vacation? All right, what kind of school do I want to be able to put my kids in? That, that's your ideal life. Mm-hmm. You've got to get comfortable inside of that, figure out what number it costs to create your ideal life, mm-hmm. and then you build your business to support that. not support what Steve wants to do, what Pace wants to do, what Max wants to do. It's like, hey, what works for me? What is my personal ideal life? And then let me chase and pursue that.
0: Yeah, I love it. You got to design your life. Exactly. Right. Absolutely. So, and that's something that I've I've mentioned a couple of times, you know, I, I just want to reiterate this, you know, a lot of people, they get into this business for time, freedom of time, freedom of money. And you get away from that. And then you forget. Yep. And you get in the chase. And once you're in the chase, man, you're comparing, you're competing.
1: It's hard to get out of that, man. Right? I was there, so and, I
0: know. And so we got to remember why we started. And once we go back to remember why we started, then we can design our business to support. Exactly. That why we started.
1: Yeah, man, so figure out your ideal life. Everybody's number is different. Mm-hmm. So my the number I need that for the things that I want is going to be different than the number that you need for the things that you want. Right. You just got to get locked in and focused on your own personal number and like, to me, that's like real success. Yeah. Success isn't having the things that everybody else has. It's having the things that you set out to have in the first place. Right. Like this is a weird thing, right? So like we all get into this business and this is like the progression of uh, real estate to me. So we get into the business, we first hear about wholesaling usually, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody listening to this is going through this right now. So you find out about wholesaling and you're like geeked up. Like you're going crazy. You're like, man, I'm gonna be a millionaire, I'm gonna do this, I'm mm-hmm. gonna drive a Lamborghini, all these crazy things, right? And you get super pumped up on that. And then you're like me, it takes you a long time to do your first deal. So then you start hitting the pavement and you start getting stressed and you're starting to get frustrated because you're like, why haven't I done a deal yet? This isn't working, that's not working. Why are these things not transitioning into mm-hmm. the income that I thought that I could create, right? And there's a lot of different things that, that, that impact that. To me, a lot of what that is is we, we start to lose sight of uh, staying focused, right? And I encourage people to understand that uh, being a wholesaler is not a part-time business, No. all right? Um, and so this is how it works, right? So you get pumped up, you're super excited, then things stop, Not they're not working. So you're spending some money on marketing every mm-hmm. month or every couple of weeks or when it's convenient, when you got extra mm-hmm. cash sitting around and then you can't transition that into a deal. Well, it's because you're not being consistent, yeah. right? And so you can't do this kind of part-time thing with real estate, especially wholesaling. Yeah. Uh, so I've done every kind of, every piece of real estate investing. Wholesaling is the bottom of the totem pole, right? So like the guy who owns the office building, he might not even know what wholesaling is, like hmm. we talked about earlier, right? right. Now the benefit is hus- hu- hustling is rewarded in wholesaling. If you have the ability to work consistently and hmm. extend effort daily, you will be rewarded in wholesaling. It's just about being consistent, but the concept is super simple. So the concept is really just finding somebody who wants to sell a piece of property, Mm -hmm. right? Contracting that and selling your equitable interest in the contract to somebody else on an assignment. Really simple.
0: Very basic, right? Not as easy as it sounds.
1: It's not. So I agree (laughs) with that 110%. It's not as easy as it sounds, but I know in hindsight, if I had been consistent and worked daily Mm -hmm. in this business and talked to sellers daily in this business, I would have done a deal way sooner than two years. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, that's
0: something that Brent is always, always, you know, just hammering on, right? Meaningful conversations. How many meaningful conversations did you You, have? You have to have
1: conversations with sellers daily. Uh, It's easy because we have these personal hangups that are preventing us from getting things done. And so it's like, I know I got to go to the gym, Mm all right? I know I need to work out, lose some weight, right? And so for me, what starts to happen is, then I make an excuse to not go to the gym. Yeah. It's like, ah, I'll just go tomorrow or you start the diet, you get a weekend. I'll start on Monday. Exactly, you're like, oh, I'll just start on Monday. We do the same thing with wholesaling, yeah. right? It's the same concept because it makes us have to actually work mm-hmm. ourselves to actually get it done. It takes like personal effort
0: to actually do the business. All right. yeah. So wholesaling, that's your bread and butter today. Absolutely. Um, are you developing too still? Like, yeah, what's... so we
1: just finished an apartment complex development uh, a couple of months ago. I'm looking for some more opportunities right now. Uh, My mindset on that has changed quite a bit. I'm only really kind of looking for long-term stuff that I can put some money in Mm -hmm. uh, and be involved in. Uh, I I like the process of wholesaling. I look at life in two buckets. So I look at an active income bucket and I look at a passive income bucket. I wanna support my passive income bucket with more development opportunities. Mm -hmm. Really interested in mixed use. The market is really at a point right now where finding these opportunities in Richmond. So we're in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, right? Yeah. So it's a little different here. You guys got what, like five, six million people here. Yeah. Uh, Richmond's a smaller city. Mm-hmm. Um, not very uh, development friendly, right? Um, I can see that. But I'm trying to help the city work on that. So All we right. need to get a little bit more development friendly. So those opportunities aren't as abundant as I feel they should be. So now we're stretching out. So like we've moved our wholesale business. We're still primarily in Richmond. Now we're in Norfolk, uh, Newport News, Portsmouth. And we're looking to find uh, development opportunities as they come up in our marketing. Mm-hmm. So it's not something I'm actively chasing anymore like I used to be, Yeah. but if it comes up in the pipeline then we're
0: absolutely gonna do it and so take it down. For a passive income bucket, you're saying you're gonna develop it and keep it. Absolutely correct. You're not selling it. No, There's so no like exit.
1: the benefit is, you know, so like the BRRRR strategy. Yeah. Like you can apply that to an apartment complex, Yeah. right? Definitely now can. you're talking about a pretty nice take home on that cash out refi, yeah. right, uh, when, when you do that. So that's my thought process on that, that'll help build some more active cash flow.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, but really the wholesale business right now for me is designed to be able to do that. Right. And I'm looking for those passive opportunities. I see that coming whenever the market cycles. We've been talking that the market's gonna drop for like four years, it feels like. I don't think anybody knows when that's coming anymore.
0: Um, now we're expecting it to continue appreciating.
1: Nah, everything looks super solid right now, uh-huh. right? I know in, in Richmond, we're down to like two, 2.1 months of inventory right now, which is crazy, right?
0: Mm. We're 45 days here. That's that's nuts. That's crazy. Yeah. So, one thing we were talking about, yeah, is people tend to overcomplicate this wholesale business. Yes, right. Yeah, tell me about that.
1: So, i th- I think we over I think we overcomplicate it uh, by not being consistent, right? And what I want to help see more people do, and I've kind of been on a mission this year to really see this, is to take some of the complexities out of actually being successful in this business. So. Here's the thing, somebody asked me earlier today, hey, if I dropped you in Reno, Nevada, Brent Daniels asked me this. He said, hey, if I dropped you in Reno, Nevada with 500 bucks, what would you do? And I'm like, very simple, right? I'd go buy a list, I'd skip trace that list, and I'd pick up my phone. Mm-hmm. That's it, right? Right? And so that, that's how simple this business is. What happens is, there's probably 20 people watching this right now that don't like the cold call. Mm-hmm. And they'll tell you like, I mean, I hate cold calling. I don't wanna to talk to anybody on the phone, things of that nature. We don't like cold calling because it's, it's the path of resistance. Mm. A lot of human nature is to always take the least path of resistance. So for me to simplify things, it's like, hey, if I just gotta get on the phone with somebody and, and, and build some rapport, uh, create an appointment opportunity if that's how I'm running my business, get out in front of them and put something under contract, like that's, that's simple to do, right? right? The hard part, you said earlier, the wholesaling is hard. And we agree on that, all right? What's hard about it is the effort and work that it takes to get that one seller to Mm -hmm. pick up the phone Mm -hmm. and say, hey, you can come take a look at my house,
0: right? So I've had people say they don't like the cold call. And my responses have been one of two things. I'm curious to hear your response. Too bad. (laughs) Or uh, uh, Earl Nightingale had this thing called The Strangest Secret. Mm -hmm. And have you heard it? No, I haven't tell me please. It's great. It's like classics like nineteen forty. Okay. Or nineteen thirties. Yeah. And it's basically it says like, you know, we we did some research and what we found were the guys that were wealthiest or the guys that didn't want to do the same things you didn't want to do. Yeah. But they y- did it.
1: Y- you gotta face the resistance, man. You gotta walk through it. Um, this is my advice to everybody listening when it comes to cold calling. I, I my first job out of high school was in a call center doing bill collecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that is like the man, truest if form. You, if of I cold saw that call. on
0: your resume, you're hired. Oh man, no don't question your, about it. Debt collector, uh, hired. We don't even need to have an interview. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a business that'll beat you up
1: <laughs> for real. Yeah. Uh, so I cut my teeth doing that, and that's on the phone all day, just calling people trying to get them to pay something. <laughs> you know Mr. what I mean? Mister
0: Chris, what are you having? <laughs>
1: <breakout? laughs> something no <anything>. question. <laughs> Please give me a. I got a quota. Please make a payment. And so you know, I learned how to cold call through that, and then working at T-Mobile. All right. Um, here's the thing, though. When you're cold calling, you're cold calling people that are going through stuff. So we're already pulling motivated lists in the first place. So we're pulling lists of tax delinquent, we're pulling code violation lists, we're pulling lists of people in probate. Yeah. So somebody just passed away and we're actively calling them trying to buy their house. So we, we, can't, we can't be amiss and think when Steve answers the phone and somebody in his family just passed away, right? Then he might tell me to get the F off the phone, mm-hmm. right? Or he might not want to talk to me today. Yeah, The power is in once you realize that and you start bridging the gap in those conversations to start focusing on the communication and helping that person, mm-hmm. right? So instead of being in a scenario and just actively thinking about doing a deal, it's like, how can you be of service to that person and help them kind of solve an issue, right? right. But I, I think that's where we get into the space of, really kind of overcomplicating the business. It's just not focusing on those type of things,
0: you know? So do you coach? Absolutely, so. Okay, so uh, I, I'm your coaching student, like, Chris, yeah. I don't wanna call, I don't wanna call, I don't wanna call.
1: Yeah, yeah, So, so here's the thing. I'm gonna ride you hard, man, yeah. all right? So I'm gonna get you on the phone, I'm gonna sit with you while you're on the phone, all right? And we're gonna, I, I believe in watching film, so I told you I grew up playing sports. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm, I'm, I'm a student of, of the business, I'm a student of the game, yeah. right? And so what I like to do is get you on some calls, get you to understand that it's okay to not do well on the call, mm-hmm. all right? That's like, there's nothing wrong with not doing well on the call. I'd argue that it's almost better to not do, to do well on the call initially, because then we can truly figure out what you need actual help with, mm-hmm. right? So we're just gonna go through film every day, right? It's just like the QB, yeah. all right? So every day, I'm your coach, mm-hmm. every day, man, we're just going through film. We're yeah. not focusing on getting the deal. That's not important. What is important? Because remember, we got time, right? I'm only 25. Yeah, I wish I was still 25. I'm 33 now. Yeah. but we got we have nothing but time. Wish I was 33. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we're just focusing on we're just focusing on yeah. honing the skills, getting better. Like we're gonna get on the field eventually mm-hmm. and throw touchdowns. Yeah, like we know that's gonna happen. But right now, we're just mm-hmm. daily gonna go through the film for the next couple of weeks. You're gonna make two 300 calls an hour. Right. And we're just going to go through every live contact mm-hmm. every single day. And then we're going to talk about I'm going to coach you up. Like, let me be Belichick.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You can be Brady. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm. Let me get you coached up. And once we get there, man, I'm going to put Bledsoe's going to get hurt. <laughs> right. You're yeah. going to you're going to go on the game. Now you're Hall of Famer. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. But I think we're just constantly in this rush. You know, we find out the business, we get excited and we just want to do a deal
0: right now. So let me ask you this right yeah. so i'm your student sure okay? and i'm supposed to be doing 200 300 d- dials an hour
1: you're asking me something i'm probably dealing with right now Go right ahead.
0: but we have a call or whatever yeah and it's like so like i made like 30 calls last week
1: so you're not serious about the business right? that's the conversation yeah and i and, and i'm not in a space where i want to keep your money yeah. right uh as a student or as mm-hmm. your coach right because if if you're not willing to put the work in to make the phone calls mm-hmm. Then the reality is, you got to accept you're not serious about what you say you want to do. Yeah, and so that's what I mean about treating this business as a part time business. Mm-hmm. Like you can't wholesale part time. You've got to do wholesaling on a daily basis and a consistent basis. So if you're my student and you only made thirty calls last week, you're not, you not you don't want to wholesale. You, this isn't this isn't what you want to do, right? Yeah, you your actions to, don't line up with your words. No, you want to be a bill collector. Yeah. Right. You want you want to work somewhere and you and want you also to collect your bills. Exactly. You know. So I would my mm-hmm. encouragement to you would be. To, to try to coach you up, try to have a conversation to get you to a space where you understood that you need to make more calls, yeah. right? But if I but if I can't get you there, as a coach it's my responsibility to be honest with you at the same time yeah. and say, hey Steve, look man, you're just not ready to do this yet. And there's maybe something mental that you've got to overcome to get to the
0: space that you are ready. See, I was, tra- I was trying to be Tom Coughlin earlier on Facebook. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think that <laughs> worked. <didn't> work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he got us here, he got us here. <laughs> All right, so, Charlie Prio says your only competition is yourself. 100%. Uh, Diana says, yeah, her biggest problem is being consistent. So let's talk about that. Consistency, uh, uh, Yeah. How do you so overcome that? It. And
1: again, man, there's so many people that have been trying to do this, and I respect the people that have been trying to do this for a long time, because I, I remember personally what that feels like. Um, I, I remember, I used to, I mean, I remember waking up sometimes, man, crying, because uh, I wanted to do a deal so bad, Right. But my actions didn't match my words, uh-huh. all right? so i felt it like I, I felt that i wanted to not live in my mom's house anymore i thought i felt that i wanted to be able to take care of my family and do these different things but i wasn't walking in that every single day all right so the consistency became the issue so what i had to do is i started time blocking all right so i started managing my time out in a way where i used to work three to midnight when i worked at t-mobile okay so i knew i had to get up as early as i could so it would take me like 15 20 minutes to get home I'm trying to get in the bed by one o'clock every night, or every morning, right? And I wanna get up as early as possible so I can start working actively on real estate. Mm-hmm. And so th- this is when things change. Like I started making that self-commitment. And I think a lot of this comes down to when you ask me about consistency, is being willing to make the self-commitment, right? Yeah. So it's like, I used to love playing video games, right? <laughs> I still do. I don't get to play them as much as I want,
0: yeah, right? That's why I was telling Brent uh, uh, a few weeks ago on his show, it's the give up list. It's. I like that. What are you willing to give up to be successful? I like that a lot.
1: Right. So like you, you gotta be willing to give some stuff up. So, you know, watching your favorite TV shows, watching the game every week or every Sunday, like that's all time. Like a football game is four hours. Mm -hmm. That's four hours on a Sunday. That's
0: only during one slot. There's three of them on Sundays.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So think (laughs) about how much time you're giving up, you're giving your whole Sunday up, Yeah. right? So if you're not where you want to be, you got to have that give up list. I really like that a lot. You have to create something like that in your life. That's that's what makes, that's what separates the people who go far in this business mm-hmm. from the people that sit around for a couple of years like I did originally yeah. and don't get where they wanna go. Cause you're just not willing to sacrifice some stuff. Right. The other part of that too, and I had this conversation with somebody recently is uh, you gotta get comfortable inside of your rock bottom. I said at the beginning of this conversation that one thing that I did is I got comfortable in my rock bottom. I got comfortable uh, with the embarrassment of not, uh, being exactly where I wanted to be yet, right? Uh, So I got comfortable with telling my family that I'm doing real estate investing. And every time I bump into somebody in my family, I'm like, hey, how's the real estate investing going? You done a deal yet? Nah, you know, I got comfortable with people not supporting anymore the things that I said that I wanted to do with real estate investing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember at first like that being something hard for me to deal with uh, because I was so excited about it. I was so pumped up about it. And then people tell me, hey, that's not gonna work. Hey, you're not going to be successful when you do that. So once you get comfortable inside of that, then like nobody can weaponize those things against you anymore. Mm-hmm. So when you take that power away from people's words, right, and you you have that to yourself, you're just like, hey, look, I know I'm not where I want to be at right now. Yeah. But that's okay. I'm 33. If I'm not where I want to be at right now, like if I can actually take action and get consistent every day, like I'll, I'll get there.
0: One thing I want to add here, right? Yeah. You're saying when you first started, you had your enthusiasm. Right. And people were using it against you. Yeah. But one thing I want to, you know, really push upon everyone that's listening is that enthusiasm, embrace it as long as you can. I get I, I don't have five thousand Facebook friends, right? Um, <laughs> but I get a whole bunch of friend requests. Yeah. And I reject a crap load of them. Yeah. Because I don't know who the hell you are.
1: Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like
0: it doesn't say in your profile. You're not posting about it. You're not talking about it. Yeah. If I don't know you're in real estate, I don't know why I'm going to accept your friend request. I'm the exact same way. I've got like
1: uh, like 1,300 friend requests sitting right now that yeah. I need to try to go through. But my first th- filter is: Are you in real estate? Or not? Yeah. Like you gotta you 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 gotta carry that excitement. I like how you said that. It's easy to lose that though. I think it's fair to say it's the first thing to go. <laughs> yeah, I think because you go make those cold calls. Yeah. You don't get those deals. You're working on a limited budget. Yeah. And so you, I like that you lose that enthusiasm of wanting to do yeah. this business. Now, I mean, it's it's just one of those things. I think that's that hard spot that you gotta be willing to push through. Cause like the reality is the other side of that is amazing. Yeah. Right. Like doing that deal and, and making five grand or doing that deal and making 10 grand, like somebody listening to this right now, like five grand can change the trajectory of what their mm-hmm. year looks like. It's like what Max say says, your, right? You're one deal away. You're only one deal away. And I love that saying so much because that's that's really truly what it is. Like you're one deal away from anything that you want, but you have to go through that barrier of entry and and that that resistance to kind of really get
0: there. Got to pay the price. Got to. Um, So Carlos Sanchez wants to know, you know, you were in the industry in 2008, you stayed during recession, wholesale disappeared. Yeah. Uh, How are you preparing for when the market changes?
1: I love that question, man. So uh, that's why I do a lot of wholesale deals right now. Uh, I really love hotel deals that allows me to kind of continue to build my private lender relationships. Mm -hmm. I built my business largely on uh, private capital. I believe in private capital 110%. I'm doing things like getting with people like Pace. Uh, Tony Senior is an incredible resource Mm -hmm. for me. Getting with people like Tony Senior, learning about uh, creative strategies. I think that creative investing is what will carry people through any downturn in the cycle. Everybody that I know that is, uh, what we, we would call sometimes like killing it, right? Where mm-hmm. they've got like the house, the car, the passive income. Those people got really good at creative financing, right? right. And when the market was down, they started doing substitution and collateral. They started doing subject to owner finance. I know one of my lenders, I've had conversations with him where uh, he was taking over properties, uh, 0% financing, mm-hmm. right? Like people were like were begging him to take over projects. The market dictates what the market dictates. Yeah, so like you've gotta be willing to ride the wave of the market. And again, to answer his question, stay stay committed to being direct to seller, Mm -hmm. right? Like carry that through your entire investing career. Always market, always be direct to seller. But start now, anybody listen to this, you gotta start now learning about creative financing, learning how to structure deals, learning how to raise capital. These are all things that are gonna take you time to learn. Right, Uh, Time to figure out how to exactly execute that. Raising money is not hard. I used to think raising money was like the hardest thing in the entire world. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I got like way too dependent on hard money. Mm -hmm. And the thought of raising private money to me was like, no, I can't do that, right? Well, the reality is the hard money lender just takes my before and after pictures, (laughs) all right? He shows them to his buddies and he says, hey, I know this guy, Chris. He does these crazy, beautiful houses. Mm Why don't you guys give me some money? I'll loan it to Chris, and then we'll all just make some money.
2: Yeah.
1: I don't want that. I want to talk to the guy. I want to talk to the buddies. I don't yeah. want to talk to the hard money lender <laughs> anymore. So I love you, the way you put it. <laughs> so you, you, you got you got to start building some private lender relationships. Yeah. Now, when I say that, when I talk to people that I teach and things of that nature, their mindset is friends and family, mm-hmm. right? I don't raise money from friends and family. All right. My mindset is I'm going to IRA events. Most of the money I raise right now to this day, millions of dollars a year comes from IRA events, right? I'm going to family office events. I'm going to these different places. Family office events? Yeah, so family office is, consider a family that has wealth, Mm -hmm. right? There's family, they they can build what's called a family office. And that family office goes and invests that money uh, for that family, right? So there's events that are held around the country for people who have family offices, all right? So you go to these events, Here's the beautiful thing about raising money that I figured out. I've got something they don't have. I got deal flow,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: all right? So I don't have the money they have, right? So if I'm at an IRA event, a self-directed IRA event, then I know walking in the door that everybody in here is managing their own money Mm -hmm. and they're trying to figure out how to make more money themselves, right? right? So they've got the money, they have no deal flow, right? So now I'm that conduit. So now I'm having that conversation and I'm just leading it
0: with deal flow. Yeah, I love it. This is a, something that Don Costa spoke about before is that, yeah. you know, like we're, we get intimidated because these guys have all this money. Exactly. But they don't have the deals. They don't have
1: deals. And so uh, what What they want and what they crave is the deal flow.
0: Yeah. So if you can bring that deal flow in, you can really get a lot of things done. All right. LaShawn Campbell just jumped on. So I think we're supposed to sing happy birthday song. Ah,
1: happy birthday, LaShawn, man. <laughs> Shout out to her.
0: Absolutely. Uh,
1: so Warren Atacog wants to know, what are the best three ways you're finding deals? So best three ways that I'm finding deals, uh, SMS, cold calling and RVMs. is 110%. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we call those the triple threat. Those are the three things that we focus on uh, daily in our business is uh, to make sure that we're cold calling, to make sure we're sending text, uh, make sure we're sending RVM. I also wanna say too, man, that cold calling has to be the foundation of your business. Yeah. Brent and I just had a good conversation about this. I know he loves cold Shocker. calling. <laughs> right, I know, he loves cold calling, but it's so true. A month ago, I had a list Yeah, it was 7,600 people on the list of records that I bought, okay? So we go skip it, we've got all this data, I've spent the money for all this data. I go go load it into our text platform. That 7,600 turns into like 700 phone numbers Mm -hmm. that were mobile that we could actually text. So what happens is, again, we talk about path of resistance. People don't want a cold call because they don't want to deal with that cold interaction. Texting is a softer interaction. And so they just go to try to to text. It's less painful. It's less painful, but you got to look at how you're cutting your list down, Mm -hmm. right? So we lead off, like we start off with cold calling in our business. We want to start there, then we transition into uh, texting and RVM. Mm -hmm. But those are my three biggest lead sources right now by far. SMS is my biggest lead source, but I want to caution when I say that, just to be clear. I don't want to say that and then people just try to go focus on doing SMS. So that's why I'm saying you wanna build that cold calling business first. Because if you're working with uh, smaller amounts of money, when you're first starting out, right? I started out with no money. So when you're first starting out, you wanna cast as wide a net as possible. So you don't wanna just try to do SMS. And so I think what happens is people, they start to stretch that budget. Mm -hmm. So their budget might be 200 bucks, 300 bucks a month, $500 a month. So they start trying to stretch that over multiple months. Mm -hmm. Right? And then they're frustrated because they haven't done a deal. Or if you bought a list of a thousand, right, and only 150 of those were numbers you could actually text, now you're truthfully only talking to 150 people a month. Yeah, when you could be talking to a thousand, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And so, so I think it's important for people to understand to not to not try to go directly just into texting from the gate. Yeah, I, I think I think you really just want to try to start cold calling first, and the benefit of doing that is that that impacts how you do your business with everybody going forward. Once you can have a cold interaction with a seller, now you can have a cold interaction with a private lender. Now you can have a cold interaction with a contractor. Now
2: right. you can
1: actually have a cold interaction when you go to a seller's property and meet with them. Like it gives you that basis of confidence. Yeah, you've got to your have reps. These
0: conversa- exactly, you get your reps. Um, all right so there was another question here Max Maxwell's jumped down what's up max Max
1: what's going on that's my guy shout out to Max man he's an amazing dude he's been, uh, been such a resource man so shout out to him
0: incredible what he's done um Angie wants to know does direct Angie King still wants to know does direct mail still work in your market so direct mail still works everywhere
1: uh, mm-hmm. I do not do any direct mail anymore uh, however uh, you can definitely direct mail you can definitely make money doing direct mail everywhere it's just it's a it's a costly form of marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think you should just try to do direct mail to 500 people a month, Yeah. right? You gotta be willing to put some money behind your direct mail marketing campaign. So if you can send out a couple thousand pieces a month, now I think you can get some traction. So to answer her question, absolutely you can direct mail, make money. I know people in my market, biggest player in my market, he does direct mail, yeah. like all he does is direct mail. So yes, you can make plenty of money doing direct mail, I just don't want to spend 40 cents on yeah. a, a postcard.
0: I think you just got to grow there, right? You, yeah, I agree. I think,
1: I think that's something you, you bump, like you grow into that vertical right. in your marketing flow.
0: Yeah. Eventually you get to TV and radio and all that other stuff, but you start. Yeah. yeah you got
1: to start small, cold, you call. Start cold call. Start with cold call. Um,
0: so I got to ask a question. Go. What's yeah. alphas only? <laughs> no, that's a good question. So, uh, so
1: I, I first met Max, what did I mean Max? I met Max, uh, in August, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, we started having a bunch of conversations, hanging out, really not even like business wise at first. It was really just talking in and, and familiar minds or similar minds, right? And uh, I think a couple of months ago, I'm in Winston-Salem, I'm hanging out with him. And he's like, Man, I just like h- hanging around the alphas, right? Yeah. And I'm like, Yeah, me too, right? And he's like, That's why I like hanging out with guys like you, Nazar. Like, you guys are alpha. You're not here trying to get something from me, you're not looking right. for anything from me. Uh, like you're comfortable standing in your own space, right? So I guess he came up with this phrase, "alphas only," right? Yeah, yeah. And that and that what it says is, and this isn't just men; this is men and women, mm-hmm. right? But like it takes an alpha to do this business. Like it takes that level of confidence mm-hmm. to be successful in this business. Right? Like you can't do business on emotions. You know, no. okay. um, you're not going to get very far doing that. Nope. Uh, you know, sometimes we're in that space where because we're dealing with our own personal things, things yeah. of that nature. Uh, but y- you got to look at business, uh, kind of remove the emotional yeah. aspect of it.
0: And I think just, you know, just add like a little nuance that you can definitely be vulnerable. Absolutely. Right you can be yeah. vulnerable, but don't get carried away with it. Absolutely. Uh, Kip Stevens wants to know, what's the legality of SMS? And if you don't want to answer that question, we can always send it to an attorney.
1: Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. So uh, what's the legality of SMS? Um, look, you got you to gotta send SMS at your, your own leisure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd recommend talking to an attorney for sure. Uh, you know, that, that form of marketing, I think is going to see some changes within the next 12 months. We'll all kind of see what that looks Plus like. That. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, I think there's a shelf life there personally. Uh, we're getting creative right now in my business not getting stuck on doing SMS. We've been doing SMS for a little over a year now. And so, again, this business is a business of phases. You know, I started out door knocking with a suit, (laughs) right? (laughs) I used to throw a suit on and go knock on people's doors. Back when I used to dress up, I would wear a suit and go knock on people's doors. And I I, I thought, well, I'm looking professional and doing all these different things. But I I had some success with door knocking, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And I think we'll get back to door knocking here pretty soon, I think. I yeah. think door knocking is working for some people really right now.
0: Oh, it's working um, great. The especially people know what talking about. Yeah. Like direct mail, we're kind of talking about a little bit. Alicia says she's having luck with direct mail. But, like, people are quietly doing well with direct mail. They're just not telling people about it. Yeah, it's a hidden secret. I, it, funny
1: enough, right, I think we're going to end up back where this thing all started in the first place, yeah. which is really kind of direct mail. Right. I think we'll get back to a space where direct mail is the... Uh, highest form of marketing uh, for most people. Yeah. But yeah, there's people I know personally that are killing it with direct mail and they're not doing any text, they're not doing cold calling. Uh, my point though with cold calling and text and, and, and RVM is for people that are on a smaller budget, which is how I was when I first got it started, there's a lot of people listening to this who don't have a big monthly budget. You know, $500 a month can get you really kind of moving with traction uh, on low low cost forms of marketing. Like SMS, like cold calling, you know, you can get a you can get a power dollar one hundred eighty dollars a month. Mm-hmm. We use call tools. I believe that we're paying for one user. I think it's a hundred dollars a month. Yeah, it's really cheap. You can get a lot of velocity yeah. with something like that.
0: So uh, Ray Lewis has a question. Um, if you could just expand on on you know we're talking about you got the list. for, yeah. you know when you get started, you got the list and you're calling them. Yeah, on your phone. Yeah, it's really it. Yeah, you want what's a few additional steps you know for Ray to get his first deal?
1: Yeah. All right. So you got a list. All right, you've skipped trace that list, right? So you got to skip it. Um, Let me help some people that are listening to this. So a lot of people, I feel like they get data, right? Mm -hmm. Or they don't understand data. Let me say it differently. I don't think a lot of people understand truly data. So data is literally the backbone of doing a deal. All right. And what I mean when I say that is where you buy your data is extremely important. All right. And how you skip your data is extremely important. And what I mean is I see people who, They have not, uh, they're like, uh, get a list and they're like on True People Search or Mm -hmm. uh, fastpeoplesearch.com and some of these other websites. And then they're like, well, I haven't been able to do a deal, right? (laughs) So please, please, please focus on spending money on good data. If I've only got a couple hundred dollars a month, if I'm spending it anywhere, I'm spending it on my list and I'm spending it on skip tracing, all right? Because you want to get quality, up-to-date information to be able to contact somebody. So you skip trace your list, you start making calls, you get somebody that comes on the phone and says, "Uh, yeah, I'm I'm open to an offer, Mm -hmm. right? So now you're at a point to answer this question where you're like, oh, all right, well, how do I I make this offer, all right? So I subscribe to a different level of thought probably than anybody else that might've come up here already. And I like simple business. I like doing Mm -hmm. things simple. I'm from the country, right? So we like doing things a little easy in the South, all right? And so what that really looks like is we base our offers based on as is comps. Literally that simple. Mm-hmm. All right. So we don't look at 70% loan to value and ARV and repair costs. Mm-hmm. We don't get carried away with that. I think a lot of people get confused when mm-hmm. they're first starting with these terminologies sure. and how to do those different things. The beautiful part about where we're at in the market cycle is there's an abundance of data available. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we use a website called totalvrealestate.com. It's a free website, so anybody can check this website out. We get a property, we have a, deal, uh, a seller on the phone. So I've got my list, I've skipped it, now I'm on the phone. Somebody finally answers, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And they say they're willing to take an offer. What's your offer? So we'll plug that address in All right, And we're gonna look at the comparable sales data that populates in that box. And so use an example, if I'm trying to purchase a property and I'm looking at as is comps. So if I see the comps are showing at 150, 140, something of that nature, then it's safe to say the comps that I see listed for 40, 50, 60, 70,000, those are likely as is comps, Mm -hmm. okay? So I wanna communicate with that seller. I wanna know, hey, what's the condition of the property? Have you made any updates to the property in the last five years? I'm looking to pull some information out of them so that I know how to compare that that property out. So if I see that property is 800 square feet, if I see that it's a two one, Mm -hmm. right? Then I'm looking at comps and I'm looking for other two ones on that list. And so when we're making those offers by phone, what we're looking for is, uh, all right, so I see four two ones that went in a range from 50 to Mm $65,000. That's enough data for me to know this property is likely worth 50 to Mm $65,000, right? So now we're gonna back off of that 50,000 to start to create our offer, okay? So we're gonna start our offer at probably $35,000. So we're gonna make that, because the biggest thing is when you finally get somebody on the phone when you're cold calling, Mm -hmm. And you ask them if they're interested in an offer and they say, well, Steve, what's your offer? You gotta have an answer for that, right? And so this helps us quickly kind of come up with that uh, initial offer, offer range. So we're gonna get that 35,000. We know that there's a market set for 50 to $65,000. So we're gonna go ahead and make that initial $35,000 offer. We know they're likely not gonna take that. If they do, we call that a home run, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Likely though, they're not gonna take that initial offer. Now I can leverage that to kind of figure out what their asking price might be, okay? So that'll help me maybe get that information, but I know that I've got a window, again, of 50 to $65,000 I can sell it for. So let's say I get them at 45,000. I know based on cash comps in the market right now, within a quarter mile or half mile radius, I know I can move this property for at least 50,000, Yeah. right? And so I'm gonna get it under contract, a lot of times without even seeing it. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: All
1: right, I'm gonna get the property under contract, I've got an inspection clause in my contract that's going to give me some protection when I go to take a look at that property physically, okay? Uh, but that's how we're coming up with our offers, man. So that's the next step that you would need to do is come up with how you want to make that offer. But simplify that process, right? Yep.
0: Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else there was. Uh, I think a lot of people here, they're really, really appreciating, you know, they're, they're, they are they're can relate, you know, to your earlier part of the journey. So I think that's pretty <laughs> man, cool. Man,
1: I've, I've been through that. Yeah. I know what that struggle feels like, man. I, you know, it's, uh, it's funny, man, so a couple of years ago I felt like I got away from that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I had achieved a bunch of success, I was doing a lot of different things, and uh, I do believe that God gives you humbling moments, man. And uh, one thing that I had to do in my own business is I had to go back and touch the sellers again. I had gotten so far removed from the process of being on the phone and making offers and going on an appointment and doing these different things, talking to cash buyers. That's what I liked about seeing Pace today and yesterday was, I mean, that guy's active. Like he's he's out here like talking to sellers all oh. the time. Yeah, his
0: I, his thumb is on the pulse. He's not the playing around, man. Mm-hmm. I
1: had to do that in my own business. I had to get re-comfortable actively making my own cold calls. Right, because we had a bunch of VAs making cold calls, things of these nature. I had to go back and kind of retouch those things. But my encouragement, man, is embrace that struggle you're in right now in your business. Mm-hmm. This business is purely mindset. Again, we already said the concept's really simple, right? The, the, the mindset piece, like the thing we have to overcome internally is it, a difficult part, man. But anybody that's in that space right now, you know, keep pushing, keep being consistent, keep focusing on talking to a seller or multiple sellers, really, on a daily basis. You have to talk to people, talk to sellers daily.
0: That's powerful. Uh, Miss Smith wants to know you're ever gonna be building again?
1: <laughs> I get that question all the time. I'm sure I will be building again. Uh, I hope I don't build a house this year. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure I'll be building again. I'm looking for, for uh, different opportunities down the line. I'm, I'm a person who rides the market cycle. When the market drops, I'm going to be buying up a whole bunch of land. I'm sure I'll mm-hmm. be building again at some point. Um, it's not something that uh, I'm adverse from wanting to do. My model of how I would build houses has changed. You know, uh, I got my Class A license at one point. We subbed out all our own work. Uh, I've, I've had employees on payroll uh, that were contractors. How I would do that now is I would partner with a GC. Mm-hmm. And this is what we do now in some of our, most of our projects. I'd partner with a GC, I'd work out a cost plus relationship. And so anybody who doesn't know what that means, cost plus means uh, whatever the project cost is. So if that project costs $100,000, you're paying that general contractor 15% of the cost of doing the project. Yeah. Um, I have found that's probably the best model to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, it keeps you and the build or the GC honest. Uh, you can build in a savings buffer uh, inside of that as well, where the builder gets a kicker if they save you some money. Mm-hmm. I've already like I know that process. I know how to put a house together. I know how that works. But what I also do know is extremely time consuming. Yeah. All right. When you try to do do those things yourself, so would I build a house again? Absolutely. Would I uh, do it myself and GC the project myself? Okay. Absolutely not. Right.
0: right. Um, and then uh, what Kern wants to know, what's the biggest mistake you made in real estate?
1: Oh man. Uh, so biggest mistake I made in real estate. So I've probably got two, all right. Uh, the first one being, uh, and I mentioned this earlier when I started uh, doing a lot of development, started doing a lot of fix and flip. Uh, I, I, I got away from actually wholesaling deals. So I was just cherry picking deals that I wanted to buy myself. Um, I'm scared to know how much money I left Floating out there over the years. Leave it alone. Don't look at right, it. Right by doing that. Um, so that's that's one uh, mistake that I would say. And I'd say my second mistake is not buying rentals soon enough. Yeah. Right. So I started out when I was really young. So at the time, you know, you give me the concept of uh, you can make thirty thousand dollars, or you can make three hundred dollars a month.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, thirty thousand sounds pretty sweet, right? Yeah. So I was always chasing that thirty thousand dollar nugget, right? What I found is like, so when I ran into cash flow issues, for example, what I realized was, oh, wait, so if I would have had a buffer of passive income or cash flow coming in, Mm -hmm. that could have mitigated, that could have paid for some employees, that could have paid for some of these different things, that could have paid for you know, uh, monthly mortgage payments, things of that nature. So those are two things, man, that I'd really go back and would do differently. I have no regrets on anything that I've done, uh, but I would have not stopped wholesaling uh, properties off. right? And I would have absolutely, from the get-go, focused on buying rental property. And that's why I think this subject to conversation is important because it gives people like me, mm-hmm. you know, I was making 15 bucks an hour. Yeah. So I couldn't qualify to even go buy rental property. Right. Then I was self-employed, making some money, but I, you know, I'm, I'm X, Y, Z on my tax return, so I can't go to the, the bank because they want to know that you can service the note. Yep. So uh, I, I would absolutely 110% encourage everybody uh, to focus on cash flow, focus on building those things into their business. And that's why I've gotten to a space where it's an active income bucket and a passive income yeah. bucket.
0: I think uh, what well, I want to emphasize on you know, the part where you're saying you wish you would have just kept, continued wholesaling, right? Yeah. And you hired a consultant on. Right. And they gave you that, like, hey, dummy, like, what are you doing? Yeah. So to add to that, because a lot of people are opposed to coaching, there's a very strong anti-guru movement, which I support right. most of it.
1: I, I'm. I'm. Wait. Can we? If we don't. If we don't mind. Sure. Um, tell me what part you you support of the anti-guru movement.
0: I support vetting. Your I guru. agree. And can I su- we talk
2: about
1: that? Let's talk about it. All right. So one thing that I think is really cool is. Uh, so I'm coming on your podcast, right? Mm-hmm. I think a couple of people were trying to connect us together. Yeah. Like, hey, you got to get this guy Chris on your podcast. And so uh, we first talked, You're like, hey, send me some Huds, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm like, send. I'm like some Huds. I'm like, man, I've been doing this 10 years. What are you talking about? Send you some HUDs. So then I thought about it. I'm like, no, I'm like, this is the way that it should be. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, no, somebody should have to show you HUDs, Mm -hmm. like to to be able to come up here and have a conversation with you. Right. Right. Like you've got a a great platform. You're 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 motivating people. You're inspired to help other people. You you want to have people that are organic and genuine in the things that they're doing. Right. Right. And so once I started thinking about it, I'm like, no, I'm like, qualifying to come up and have the conversation is great like yeah. that's what it should be should be uh, right we shouldn't be in this space where you can just say you're doing these things yeah. and you don't have to prove it right, right. so I, I like I love this concept of uh, vetting so I, I do think and I agree with you right that we we have to be in a safer space the internet is like the Wild West man oh yeah uh, for sure I, so I've been doing more online stuff and this, this is a very interesting space to be in because uh, you can really be anybody you want online oh for right? sure. Um, or on the phone. Or on the phone, right? Yeah. So I, I do think it's important to vet. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that people uh, should embrace coaching. Mm-hmm. I think coaching is a great thing. The way that I learned uh, was I, I learned better when I have, like, direct steps in front of me. I think where people mess up is that we don't realize the importance of being able to connect the dots. So coaching, proper coaching with somebody vetted gives you the ability to really kind of go and connect those dots.
0: Right, 100%. I think the other, the other thing I add to it when I'm talking to some people about this is, like, I might not be your coach, right? I might not be the best coach for somebody, right? Just find someone that you resonate with. Someone's like that guy's living the kind of life I want to live. Right. I should copy what he's doing. Yeah. And not that, copy just anybody. Just, sure.
1: But that's why I think it's important to know what your ideal life looks like. Exactly. Right? Because you know, the sometimes the guy with the cars and the crazy house and things of that nature, he, he's he's not living a life that you might want to live. If you're mm-hmm. chasing freedom, Especially if he's
0: driving a Lamborghini. Those
1: cars are <laughs> <laughs> Teslas are better, right? <laughs> I've, I've had I've had a, I've had a, a large scale business, right? Yeah. I know what it looks like to have to constantly work twenty four seven to be able to support that enterprise, right? Yeah. To be able to manage all those things out, which feels a lot better these days. Is waking up and having some freedom and flexibility to say, "Hey, who can I help today?" What's, yeah. what's, let me go in my inbox and see who's hit me up and see who I can actually reach back out to and help. I didn't have time to do those type of things before because I was so caught up in my own space and things mm-hmm. I had to take care of for myself, you
0: know? Yep. Uh, so Carlton Hooks is a guy in my office, someone that I've trained, and he wants to ask your opinion. Sure. So for us, we don't talk about price. Uh-huh. We don't talk about conditions of the house. Only thing we care about is, does Chris have real pain? So. Okay, I, I know where you're going. So he wants to know what your thoughts are about the fact that we don't talk about the property at all, ever. Yeah,
1: so we do talk about the property. Um, so we probably do it backwards, it sounds like in the way that you do it. The beautiful part it's not backwards, is backwards, it's just different. It's different. I like that. So the beautiful part about this business is there's a lot of different ways to make it work yeah. effectively. Right? Yep. So what we found that's worked for us is getting some initial information about the property. Mm-hmm. Like in that phone call. We're gonna get some initial information about the property and then we're gonna also use that through conversation to figure out what your pain point is. Yeah. And so what I mean like that what I mean by that is you know, hey well steve how did the property fall into disrepair mm-hmm. right you know so did something come up that made you not be able to replace the roof right so like you may answer that question in a way that's going to let me know what your financial hurdle is mm-hmm. because if, if you got to replace a roof and it's leaking like you know that you need to replace the roof yeah <laughs> right <laughs> you know what i mean yeah so like being able to answer ask those questions to find out what the context clues inside of that mm-hmm. is so i do like asking about the property condition not up front, but kind of close to up front, yeah, and then leveraging that through the conversation, kinda of use that yeah, we on. we use that kind of as a as, as kind of a poking stick a transition exactly throughout the
0: conversation, yeah, absolutely, okay, so life is good, life can't is com- great, I can't complain. I'm in Arizona. <laughs> why are you pushing still so that's, that's
1: a beautiful question, man, I live for the deal
2: yeah
1: I, I love it, man, um. I love talking to sellers I love negotiating I love I literally love the art of the deal
2: yeah
1: um, it's it's just one of those things man I don't think I'll ever get out of my system you know I'm doing coaching these days I'm doing a lot of different things in the internet space things of that mm-hmm. nature uh, I can't ever see myself not uh, loving the deal man yeah. it's uh, it's it's in my blood man I, I, when i'm I'm getting like psyched up right now <laughs> thinking about it uh, and that's why I think I identify with pay so much mm-hmm. is like I see those same things in him. You know, Uh, just going out, talking to sellers, being active, actually doing the business. uh, I love it, man. And there's just something special about riding around, going different places and like seeing your work. Mm -hmm. Right. And like you ride through a neighborhood and I'm like, man, like it's crazy, man. Like I built that house eight years ago. Yeah. You know, like I don't, I don't ever want to lose what that part feels like. Right. Um I don't know where everything is gonna go in my career. I don't know the different things I'm gonna do in the future. But what I do know for sure, nothing in the future is worth giving that up. Yeah. You know? Uh so I'm always gonna chase the love of of the business, man. It's uh it, it's what's got me here sitting talking to you is just ten years is a grind, man. I've I've been through a lot of ups, I've been through a whole lot of downs yeah. you know, in, in ten years. And I've got I've got more downs in front of me. You mm-hmm. know like uh, i've I've got things that are not going to go right in front of me right now that you don't know
0: and don't, you don't know then. what's
1: around the corner, but yeah. like I, I i'm I'm embracing that though I, I love I love that part of this business.
0: So what's your superpower?
1: What's my superpower? power? I think the determination I, I think just the the willingness to and the determination to just continue to move forward. you know I talk about I said this in my intro video at, at We Live when I spoke at We Live, like man, life hits you on the mountain. Like things are gonna consistently happen in your life uh, that's gonna kind of knock you down and punch you in the mouth a little bit. Uh, but you have to be determined to walk through that. Uh, I was on a call earlier with a guy uh, on a Facebook Live, uh, a guy named Jesse from Houston, Texas, right? And like I said to Jesse on, on the phone from Houston, Texas, you gotta be willing to stand tall on your stuff. And you gotta be determined to take the resistance to go through that. One, one thing that I'm proud of, I call my superpower is, like I don't have fear, right? Uh, a guy who works for me, man, my right hand guy. We had some crazy stuff going on a couple of years ago. Life was rough, right? Casual issues, different things going on. And uh, he's like, man, he's like, why, why do you just seem like you're not scared of anything? And I said, hey, man, I said, I said, I, you know, look, I, said, I just don't have any fear. I come from a family of sharecroppers, man. My family's from South Carolina, right? I come from some folks that ain't never really had much of anything, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so right now, everything in the last 10 years has been a win. Yeah. Right. I got arrested, I told you beginning of the conversation I got arrested in my senior high school. There's people that saw that situation happen that thought nothing positive or good was ever gonna happen inside of my life. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the determination to walk through that and not to have any fear of the outcome around the corner. Yeah. So I no longer operate from a space of fear, well what bad thing is gonna happen to me next week? Because I know I have the determination to walk through it and get it figured out. And it's okay to have to go through stuff. Right. You know, like I'm not somebody that acts like things don't happen and you don't go through tough things in business or in your personal life, it's going to happen It's part of the game. You just got to be willing to walk through it and get to the other side of it.
0: hundred percent. So on the flip side of that is yeah. what's your biggest struggle right now?
1: What's my biggest struggle right now, man? You know, I want to say, uh, I got to get better at hiring, you know, <laughs> uh, that, that's one of my, uh, Achilles heels. So that's the speak. last piece. I'm it's, telling you. It's
0: tough, man. It's the last piece I have to figure that out, which I don't think anyone ever has, but once you figure that out. <laughs> oh man, it's, this is why it's, it's because tough. it's easy.
1: It's so tough. <laughs> so by default, I see the
0: good in everyone. I've got the same problem.
1: Um, and I don't and I, I don't know that I'm gonna ever get out of that. I think that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. Like I think I'm programmed that I, I literally just wanna see people win. Yeah. Like I'm so thankful for the space that I'm in and things that are occurring for me and have occurred for me. Like, I want everybody to be able to experience those things. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to hiring, all right, uh, you know, we have people that come in, uh, I'm super geeked up for them. I'm like, oh man, these, like, this guy's gonna be great, you know? Changed my life. I'm like, man, this is gonna work <laughs> out. And it doesn't work out like that, right? And so, oh. Achilles heel, something I gotta get better at is, I hold on to people for too long. Right?
0: What, um, what have you done about that?
1: So, uh, this is what I've done recently, and, uh, but it, so with some resistance, so I'll talk about that. So I got Mark in my office, he's like my right-hand guy, runs everything, he's the man, right? So I've put him as the barrier to me, all right? Because I'm Because I'm just too, I love everybody, man. I wanna work with everybody, right? So like now, I'm like, now nah, you gotta go through Mark. Like once you pass Mark's like sniff test, all right, then you can work with me. Yeah. Now here's what happens though. So somehow they get through his filter, right? And they come in, they start out pretty good. You know how it goes, right? Uh For a week week later, now Mark and I are sitting around like, what are we (laughs) gonna do with this guy? What are we gonna do with this girl? Like they don't get it. And so this is what I realized. We gotta train, 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 all right? We have to spend as much time as possible training somebody. So once we know that we've gone above and beyond training somebody, if they're still not doing well, now, I, I'm comfortable saying that's not on me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But, if, but if I know that I'm not giving the support and the training they need daily as much as I should, I, I can't place all the blame on them, yeah. right? I've gotta take some responsibility inside of that. So we've been working on that. Uh, however, we keep running into this issue of, uh, I even still wanna to try to work with these people to, to try to make them better. And uh, Mark's like, hey, now we gotta, we gotta let these folks go. Uh, so that's, that's a constant struggle uh, for me right now, but I, I'll get it
0: figured out. Yeah. Let me know when you do. I will because uh, I rubber stamp everybody. So like basically they got to get through Max, my business partner. They got to yeah. get through some my right hand person. Yeah. If you can make it past them, pretty much I re- I'm a rubber stamp because I see the best in everybody, too. Yeah, I'm the same way. So we're and it. The, the last question we have is from Paul Rowe. Yeah. What are the top three things you would do if you're going to try to vet a guru or a coach?
1: Interesting. So the top three things that I would do if I was going to vet a guru. Uh, one, I would ask them their real experience, right? I wanna know what deals are they actively doing in their business right now? Like there's people out coaching wholesale and haven't wholesaled in 10 years mm-hmm. or five years, right? I wanna know- Or zero years. or is it, Well, there's a whole <laughs> lot of that. There's a whole lot of that for sure. <laughs> there's definitely a lot of that. So I, yeah, I wanna know if you're even wholesaling, yeah. all right? Like, are you actually actively uh, doing deals? So that's, that's gonna be one of my first questions uh, for somebody. My second one is probably gonna be a little bit different than most people. Uh, my second one is gonna be like, what adversity have you been through, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a concept, and Max and I have talked about this. Like, I, I only like working with people who've been through some stuff because mm-hmm. I've been through some stuff. So I, like, If you can't make it through any turbulence or adversity, then we're probably not a good fit for each other yeah. because the way my brain works is, like I said earlier, I don't have fear when that problem or adversity comes up, like I'm gonna punch through it, mm-hmm. right? But if I'm with you and we're in business together and that adversity comes and you you fall or you falter, now now you're pulling me back down with you. Yeah. You know? So I want to know what somebody's been through. I think what people have been through, it tells you a lot about the person. I think it tells you a lot about their character.
0: Mental toughness is a very undervalued. 110%, trait.
1: man. You want to know somebody's mentally tough. What if somebody you're getting coaching from starts running to a hard spot in their own business? Now they've made commitments to you and because they're going through some stuff they can't honor their commitment to you as a customer, yeah. that's, not, that's not fair, yeah. right, mm-hmm. uh, to you. And then thirdly, man, I, I would look at what value am I getting from this person uh, for the cost, mm-hmm. right? Um, I see these like crazy things online sometimes, like uh, <laughs> I saw some a couple weeks ago, somebody was charging somebody like two grand, I don't know if they've done a deal or not, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but like somebody's charging somebody two grand, uh, and clearly from looking at the person's Facebook page, I wasn't under the impression that they were anywhere near where they wanted to be to be charging somebody mm-hmm. two grand for help. Yeah. So part of the problem is when you want that help so bad when you're first starting in this business and it's not where you wanna go, you latch on to whoever offers it to you. Mm-hmm. And that question is really good because you should vet somebody out. You should say, hey, can I see some HUDs? Yeah. Right. Hey, I wanna get coaching from you. Can you show me your most recent deal? Mm-hmm. Like, do you mind just taking 15 minutes to walk me through the last deal that you did? Yeah. Right. Like what, what's the harm in doing that for somebody? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we've we've got into a space in this business. Again, like I said, man, you can go online be anybody that you want. So we've got into this space where people want the help so bad that you don't have to prove anything to them to, to to be able to earn their business. Yeah. Anybody that comes to a workshop that I do, anybody that I do coaching with, you know, I want to make sure they see that I actually do real estate, like. And that's why I said earlier, I'm like not doing real estate is, is not even a thing for me. Right. I'm always gonna be in a space where I'm doing real estate. Um, so you wanna ask those questions, man. you wanna get familiar with who you're doing business with. Uh, and you wanna make sure they got the same similar goals and, and characteristics that you have.
0: Yeah, I love it, I love it. That's great. That was a great, great question by Paul. All right, so I'm gonna let you think about what you want to leave the listeners with. Sure. All right, so I'm gonna make one uh, quick announcement or a couple. Uh, so guys, we're a month and a half away from uh, our event Max and I, we're going to be talking about what works in our business, two and a half days in Phoenix, April 17th to 19th. We're going to talk about what's working in 2020, not what's working in 2013. Uh, the feedback we got is people love the transparency, level of detail that we dive into each topic. I'm a nerd, student of the game. So when I go into a topic, I go really deep. The feedback we also got was we gave up too much information, which I proudly wear as a badge of honor. That's so. A good thing. If you want to double your business, go to disruptors.com, see if the workshop makes sense for you. And we're taking next week off for spring break. We'll be back in two weeks with Mr. Casey Ryan from Las Vegas. He's gonna talk about how he's running from what I've heard, one of the most profitable wholesale businesses that he's got profit and volume. It's hard to do both it is. well. So he's gonna talk about that. So last thoughts.
1: So last thoughts, man, I just want to be a vehicle of encouragement. Anybody listening to this podcast, watching this on Facebook Live or YouTube, Stay consistent, work work as hard as you can. Uh, again, it took me two years. Whatever space you're in right now, whatever things aren't going the way that you want them to go, um, I can assure you if you stay consistent and work hard, uh, you are by far gonna get to the other side of that. Um, just stay committed if this is what you really say that you want. Talk to sellers on a daily basis. That's gotta be your priority every day when you wake up. How can I get on the phone mm-hmm. or get in front of a seller today? Uh, that's gotta be critical. Don't overthink this, it's okay not to know things in this business. It's okay to be in a space where you don't know how you're going to find your cash buyer. You don't know these different things. There's 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 nothing wrong with that. Uh, build a network and a, a a source of people in your ecosystem around you that you can lean on. I've got a Facebook group, uh, Wholesale and VA Supercharged, that you can check out. You've mm-hmm. got one, mm-hmm. uh, Real Estate Disruptors Facebook group. Uh, you've got a high-level people in your group. I'm in your group. Yep. Um, there's people that can help you, get you the information, answers you need, it's okay to not know everything. I don't know everything. I, you probably don't, right? No, no. Uh, But you take steps actionably every day uh, to do better. Um, I'm always available, man. Check me out on Instagram. It's the easiest place to get me. Uh, shoot me a message, uh, the Chris Jefferson on Instagram, T H E Chris Jefferson, and uh, shoot me a DM, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And uh, guys, man, keep grinding, keep working hard, man, and much success to everybody.
0: That's awesome. It's a great way to. End it. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for sticking around.